What's up, guys? This is episode 87 of the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Um, obviously, we have a little bit of a different show for you guys today. Um, we're now joined by my former summer ball teammate and friend, Lee Solomon, also a reoccurring guest of the show. Great to have him back. Um, as you all know, typically on this podcast, we like to you know joke around, do stupid fantasy drafts, uh, usually a sports podcast. Um, you know, we're trying to make people laugh and smile. Uh, but with everything going on um, in our country, you know, these past two weeks and as a podcaster, as podcasters with this platform, you know, however big or small, uh, it's a conversation we feel like we need to engage in and do our part, you know, to fight against racism in this country. Uh, and last week, I'm glad we did. Ha- we did have a conversation about George Floyd and the protests. Uh, probably could have done a better job, but, you know, uh, I think it's good to even just get the conversation going and and you know, good to have people maybe a little more expertise or education on these issues. That's something we're trying to do. Um, and that's what we're trying to do by having Lee on the podcast today. Um, but Lee, first of all, after seeing what's happened the past two weeks, you know, lots of negative stuff out there, but there's also seems like we're making some progress and, and some positivity and some changes coming out of these things. Um, so personally for you, what are, what are you feeling? You know, are you optimistic, pessimistic about where the movement's going, uh, considering kind of everything that's gone on the past couple of weeks? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I definitely uh, have noticed a lot of positive change um, everything that's going on. Um, so obviously isn't an issue that's new, you know. Uh, it's something mm-hmm. that's dated back for a very long time. And uh, it feels like a lot of people feel pretty fed up about it. Um, they're not going to go away silently. Uh, the protests, they seem like the, uh, the uh, momentum is still there. So people are going to continue to keep going this week and hopefully next week and continue to go because – uh, they're bringing results, you know, um, right. policemen are getting um, charged and arrested because of it. Um, some legislators are starting to put in new policies. Um, I think that's all good stuff that's happening. So um, I am obviously still um, very motivated and uh, angry by what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that's just going to go away. But it is good to see that people are going out and making the change themselves. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I can just kind of start it off here. Um, but kind of talking on, you mentioned it a lot of kind of steps and we're progressing towards some good things. Um, one of those things I've seen outcome, you know, pretty, I guess not come up recently, but kind of being taking more serious shape, more kind of concrete shape. People are talking about it, but that's um, like police reform mm-hmm. um, or specifically defunding. Um, so like I said, it's kind of like newer and getting more like serious conversation. So to some people out there yeah. who might not have as good of an idea of what it is. And I mean, obviously I'm not expecting you to be like an expert on <laughs> the topic, but you know, from what you've been seeing, you know, maybe like just kind of a general idea of what, you know, what it is people are kind of proposing. Yeah. And I think people are, they want to be heard because reform in the past, hasn't always been productive, you know, um, mm-hmm. they implemented body cameras and now you see how common it is for police officers to turn off their body cameras. So there's no footage of what actually happened, you know, so it's bigger than that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the defunding comes because the distribution of resources to the police compared to other um, important parts of these communities is not proportional at all. I mean, in Columbus, it's like eight to one, the police are getting yeah. almost like $400 million and then, health and education and healthcare and you know all these things that are important to your community are not being properly funded so when people say defund the police they realize how important the job is you know like I think people Mm -hmm. need to understand that like me personally I know that 
being a police officer is a very important job. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much risk involved. It's high pressure situations. You know, we need people to be properly educated, properly prepared. And there has to be a change in the system. You know, a lot of this stuff's going around about the amount of time it takes to become a police officer and how it's like a six month process sure. when, you know, in some States it's like, it takes more hours of, you know, classroom and discussion to become a barber or to do other things than it does become yeah. a police officer when it's such an important job. You know, in Germany, it's like a two-year police academy process. Mm-hmm. So those are things that people are talking about. It's like, we understand that being a police officer is hard and it is a very important job. And that's why we feel like there has to be significant chances, changes, excuse me, that, have, that are going to be made. So that's sure. kind of where people are coming from when they say to fund the police or they say they want police reform. Because the police are really just being completely militarized right now. I mean, like, you see some of the things that they have at their disposal. Mm-hmm. It's like, are they properly trained to use that stuff? And beyond that, are they going to be held accountable when they make mistakes the same exactly. way that we would? So that's where people are really coming from with it. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like, I, I think that the big point you hit on that I wanted, I mean, that was all good stuff, but the big thing, you know, people just, it's not getting rid of the police. Like, I yeah. guess that, I mean, that is being thrown around, but, but on like the, on the big picture, the defunding is just a better, you know, allocation of resources. So I think that's important. People kind of get that picture right. for sure. Yeah. And I know like a lot of videos and stuff are being sent around where these police officers kind of feel like they're being disrespected. And I think, it needs to be said that people are getting tired of saying, I know all cops aren't bad, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. true. Like everyone knows that, you know? Yeah. But you know, I don't feel like I need to say that every single time this conversation comes up Sure. because that doesn't always apply for me. You know, like mm-hmm. I, people don't say like all black people, I, I sh- it shouldn't have to be said that way. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there's still respect, you know, mm-hmm you respect the police and what they do, but it's not working right now and it's yep. putting people in danger and they're not being held accountable the way they should. So that's why people want to change. For sure. And something I saw on, uh, or listened to, I guess on part of my take and their conversation with Arian Foster. And he mentioned like himself, his personal experience and other people in the black community is, you know, when they get pulled over, they have a certain fear compared to, you know, most other people. So I guess my question is like, how do we get to that point where you guys in the black community can feel more comfortable against when police officers approach you? Like, how do we get to that point? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that fear is deeply rooted in the history of this country, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, police officers used to go to Klan rallies and recruit them to come be a part of this organization. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's not something those seeds that were, rooted in the police organizations back then are still something that's still, you know, playing itself out in today's world, you know, and I'm not calling every police officer racist, but I do think there are plenty of officers who have implicit biases that affect the way that they think, mm-hmm. or some of them might be overly racist, you know? So right. that fear is something that gets talked about in every black household. My dad had a conversation with me before I even got my permit about, you know, how you act when you're in the car, when the police officer pulls you over. And to say that that fear is just going to go away, honestly, I don't know if that's possible, you know, but you can definitely make people feel more comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. when you see changes being made, let's say that we do find ways to allocate the resources better. We do change the amount of time that it takes to train police. I think that would make people feel a lot better. And I do think that understanding that maybe like an armed officer isn't always what needs to be present in every situation. You know what I mean? 
like mm-hmm. some situations, you know, I know some place, I can't remember where it was. I think they're sending, um, ah, shoot. I can't remember. I think I've seen kind of, I don't know yeah. specifically, you know, but it's like intervention specialists, people yeah, kind of like trained to deescalate a situation. Exactly. People who are trained in conflict management being sent out instead of like armed officers to kind of sure. deal with the situation. Obviously if it escalates, you know, then you take yeah. it somewhere else. But I think that, um, changing the way that things are going right now is going to help get rid of some of that fear. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, it's really f-ed up. I mean, another instance that I saw was there's a, a black bird watcher and there's this, you know, white person, I guess yeah. they're, they're referring mm-hmm. to them as Karens or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and she just, I, I don't know, didn't feel comfortable, I guess, and said, you know, she's going to call the police and, right. you know, and I'm not racist or whatever, but you know, I'm going to call the police because she, understands you know the the relationship between you know black people and the police like villainizing that so that's also the messed up part that somehow we need to overcome you know i mean yeah and she willingly continued to call the police on camera the guy's filming her and she still feels comfortable enough to be like he's gonna believe me over you no matter what happens and if he gets here and something goes south for you this video is not gonna matter you know like that stuff that is real you know Mm -hmm. i mean this guy And, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but there is this conception, this common misconception that for black people, if you talk a certain way or are educated a certain way or wear certain clothes or do certain things, that you'd be safe. A lot of people say, well, if you follow the law, you'd be fine. You know, this guy in this bird in Central Park watching these birds, Harvard educated, very well recognized in his community, you know, just the perfect picture of the kind of person that you would want around you and he still is not safe from these kinds of things you know that's what people have to realize you know it's like george floyd they said that his check was bad it wasn't in the end and all of a sudden he's losing his life over it because of the way he looks right you know what i'm saying so those things that happen that are so racially charged people got to understand like yes a lot of this is about police but it's not just about police ahmaud arbery got gunned down by two civilians and he was running in his own neighborhood it's like you know, this is a lot bigger than just a police issue. So, yeah, just to touch on what you're talking about. You know, that fear that people have, they play on it. You know, they play mm-hmm. on black people's fear of the police and they play on the fact that the police oftentimes have their own implicit biases and racist. So. Yeah. So, you know, there's no question that the protests have been helpful, you know, in getting momentum and driving, you know, the early conversation and change. Uh, but what what are some of your thoughts have been on like the protest specifically and you know how have they been going you know even some of those you know less peaceful sides from things like the police and the protesters like what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this yeah so this is what i'll say about the protesting for me personally i was a part of a peaceful protest on sunday um we marched in the street and chanted and you know came together at the state house and it was a really powerful thing to be a part of um me personally you know violent protesting looting rioting isn't something that I'm going to be a part of, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I do think it is important to understand where these people's frustrations are rooted in, you know, and where you put your focus is very important. Are you going to use the looting and the rioting as propaganda to say, well, look at them. They're destroying the community. They're doing all this. Why do we even listen to them? Are you going to look at the fact that why are they rioting? Why are they looting? You know, mm-hmm. and so many times throughout history, you have people who have been peacefully protesting and weren't heard. Colin Kaepernick, for example, you know, he's been in the news. It's like this guy went to a military official, asked him the most respectful way for him to peacefully protest what he believes in, all this stuff. And he was vilified by the president himself and by millions of other people in this country 
and he wasn't even doing anything. He wasn't saying anything. He was just sitting down on the ground, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you see that and you see how they treat you when you're peaceful, sometimes you feel like I have no choice but to do something different, to act up, to be violent. And you know what? I would never wish for anyone to be hurt. I hate that some of these small businesses are being hurt by this, but I do wish that people would keep their mind on what's really important and what's starting all of that. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just about that. And oftentimes people use the looting and the rioting to deflect you from what's really going on. It's like, oh, look at that, so that you don't yeah. look at what's really important. So, you know, for me, like I said, not something I'm going to be a part of, but I can understand completely where people are coming from when they feel like they aren't being heard when they're peaceful. So, Right. And I think that's a point that I missed personally last week because I touched on the protests and I kind of split into two parts, the peaceful protesters and, you know, the looters and the rioters. But I think mm -hmm. there's a third group that the rioters and the looters who are, you know, for the cause and are truly upset and angry with everything that's going on. But then there's also looters and rioters who are opportunists and, you know, just making it yeah. like they're white guys robbing people and stuff like that's, you know, up. Certainly. And in the same way, you know, people talk about like, oh, well, there's only a few bad apples of cops. So don't say that all the cops are bad. It's like, well, mm. if there's only a few bad protesters, why are you saying that all the protesters are bad or right. the whole movement is bad? You know what I mean? It goes both Not ways. Sure. Yeah, one of the, again, kind of Ben, I wanted like your miss, some feedback I got to some, you know, maybe I missed on was maybe focusing, hyper-focusing on, you know, this particular instance with George Floyd, but something you've kind of talked about um, in different parts of your answers is it's like, it's bigger than the police. It's bigger than this, like one, like kind yeah. of specific, uh, you know, instance, um, as sad as it was. But I think just to kind of flip that into as, as much of a positive as it can be, one of the best things I've seen coming out of like social media is, information just information of any kind just kind of right. flooding ways to help places to donate different different you know victims or, or groups that are you know trying to change it change all the stuff you're kind of referring to um mm. so i guess to to kind of help those efforts as good as it is that there's so much out there but there is so much out there what are like i guess what are a couple, maybe two things, two, three things people can, you know, maybe focus on to either educate themselves or, or places, you know, have good, like are making good, uh, yeah. Good changes that could use some help. Right. Um, well, I will say this when it comes to a movement of any kind, it's important to know that there's not just one lane or Avenue for you to work in, you know, like sure. you, if you don't have money, you don't have to donate, you know, if you don't feel comfortable walking in the street for hours on end, you don't have to do that, you know? If you're someone who doesn't use social media and you don't post, that's okay too. But I think the whole big thing is finding where you fit into all that. You know, mm -hmm. like where can I fit in to be helpful um, for something that's going on that's a lot bigger than me? And a lot of it is understanding where your voice carries the most weight, right? I've talked about this with a lot of people who have contacted me this week about what's going on. And it's like, they want to be an ally. They want to be helpful. They want to feel like they're bringing change. And the biggest thing that you can do personally is understand that, you know, am I, where am I a leader? Where do people listen to me? That might be one person that you're friends with who needs you to talk to them. That might be your baseball team. That might be a classroom. That might be, I don't know, whatever community you're a part of. And for people, I know you guys right here, like you guys have this platform. You, you have people who listen to you every week. You have to make that decision of, you know, I'm going to use where my voice carries weight and where people value what I say to bring change and to be a voice and an ally to people, you know, and not just now when it's a movement, when, you know, it's on social media, all that stuff, but when the dust settles 
and it's not in the news cycle, you know, people have forgotten about it, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel like that's the most important thing. You know, it's a personal thing. It doesn't have to be, you know, not everyone is going to be the person at the top of the state house steps with the microphone saying, you know, what we want and leading the chance and doing all that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you. Sure. but I do think it's important for people to find their own way to contribute. So, you know, whatever that is for you, if it's an Instagram story and you feel genuine about that, that's fine. You know, um, just make sure it's genuine is the only thing I can say, you know, yeah, that's coming from a good place. You know, it's like posting a black square on Instagram can be helpful. It shows solidarity, but you know, don't be done after that. You know what I mean? It's basically right, exactly. what I'm saying. So yeah. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, uh, but, uh, Blake Griffin was on part of, again, not to keep going back to the part of my take, but Blake yeah. Griffin kind of talks about it too. And it was a similar point you made and, and kind of something I took away from it. And something you said was, you know, even more so like on a personal level, like it's okay to like do your own thing, like on the big level, like you said, it's like a movement, like you kind of, yeah. you need all of those lanes to be fit. You need to be moving. If everyone, if it's just, it's like you said, man, like on a smaller level, if everyone just posts the black square and is done, then nothing gets done, but it's the right. collective, it's the collective, everybody doing, you know, like you said, what, what carries weight and even if big or small, and that's another thing too, I've been seeing just getting kind of small victories out of all this. Like where. Yeah, man. Where you can't, I mean, they start. To when you, yeah. Like when you think about these protests, it's like, I can't say for certain that the, um, the officers in George Floyd's case, we're going to get arrested if people weren't protesting sure. when it started off it was like third degree murder which is a lot easier to get off of and it was just the main officer and then after people are protesting it becomes every officer who was there who sat there and watched him do it now mm -hmm. all of them are being charged and his charge got up but that's not going to happen if people aren't in the streets saying this is what we need we're not going to go away we're not going to be silent about this you know so i just feel like continuing to apply pressure is really important in this moment for sure and one personal question I have is because another thing I think we all need to do is just educate ourselves more on the issues. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations, I guess, for like maybe documentaries or websites or certain media we can kind of utilize more to educate ourselves more? Is that kind yeah, of something? That, yeah. And I think it's important, you know, not to, I'm not going to go super long into this, but, you know, growing up, going to school, black history is subjected to a month you know and for the rest of the year we learn about you know the winter's history or the people who created the country how they wrote it you know right. so a lot of that gets lost in there and there are a lot of good resources out there for people to educate themselves and i think it's important that people do that you know um michelle alexander's a really great author um she's the one who wrote the new jim crow um that's a really important book about mass incarceration and the way that that is targeting black men and women um, in our communities um, and how it's kind of become a new Jim Crow era is where the title comes from. Um, she also worked with Ava DuVernay on this, um, this Netflix documentary 13th. That's really powerful. Um, it's kind of about similar things. There's that. a whole yeah, hoist of going around. Yeah. There's a whole hoist of, you know, books, movies, information out there for you to read. And it's at everyone's fingertips, you know, I mean, the reality is the world that we live in with the internet and everything that we have, there's no excuse, you know? So if you really like for people who say that it's important to them, I would charge them to take those steps. You know, if you really want to learn, go beyond talking to just like your friends and sit down and educate yourself, you know? So those are two examples. 
Um, if you want to see a specific example about like the targeting of black folk, um, this documentary on Netflix called um, When They See Us about the Central Park Five mm. is really powerful, man. It's like, it's something that's moved. You know, I've watched it with people and seen them like move to tears about how awful it is about these kids who are in the wrong place at the wrong time in Central Park and the police penned this rape um, of this white woman on them. And a lot of that is rooted in like these deep fears that we talked about earlier. You know, Donald Trump took out a full page ad in the front of the newspaper during that time saying like, we want the death penalty for these five kids. And they didn't do it, you know, but the whole point is like they were targeted. They looked a certain way and people just automatically believed that they did it. So, you know, that's a good example of the kinds of things that have been happening in this country for years, um, centuries. You know, it's it's uh, it's exhausting to say the least, you know, to feel like that is a never ending part of my existence in this world. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. And I just I hope everyone can go out there and put themselves in uncomfortable positions so they can learn. Right. And we can include those resources in our description as well. But as you said, it really just comes down to accountability. Like, you know, there's no excuse. This is 2020. You have everything you could imagine at your fingertips. Like if you aren't educated, you know, get educated and do something about it. Exactly. Oh, one name that's kind of been going around the news this past week, you know, Drew Brees. Uh, Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on his comments and maybe the reaction, you know, from his teammates? What were your thoughts on those? Yeah. So, my thing with Drew Brees, I love Drew. I've I've always been a fan of Drew Brees as the athlete and the talent. I mean, he seems extremely humble. He seems like a great leader. He seems beloved, not just by, you know, his teammates, but really I mean, the country. Like You don't see a lot of people talking right. bad about Drew Brees. Um, his comments were troubling for me, and I don't think he's a bad person. You know, I don't think that, you know, I wouldn't wish any harm on him, but the issues that I have were like a total lack of awareness for like what's really going on. Right. You know, um, when Colin Kaepernick had everything that was going on with the NFL, however long ago that was, um, he was one of the people that spoke out and said, you know, like, I don't want people disrespecting the flag and all this stuff. And, you know, like in that moment that was frustrating, but in this one for him to double down again, even after everything that's going on, even after his teammates are speaking out, even all this stuff for him to, immediately respond with well if there are protesters during the season what is your reaction going to be and for him to say well i'm not going to support that i don't support anything that's going to be disrespectful to the flag because my grandfather's fought in the war it's like well my grandfather fought in the war yeah when he came back Mm -hmm. he couldn't get a loan from the bank because they told him he was too dark you know he couldn't live in a certain neighborhood because of the way that he looked you know it's a completely honestly it's just a complete lack of awareness for the world that black people live in you know and I don't think Drew Brees is a bad person. You've seen him make multiple statements since then. You've seen that he's been having communication with some of his teammates, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, for a couple of them who kind of try to put him on what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that him being that public figure um, and being in a sport and in a locker room surrounded by so many African-American men, it is telling to see that, you know, he's so detached, you know, his kids are around playing with those, those guys. They love him, all this stuff. It's like, well, you love, I'm sure Drew Brees loves those guys. So it's like, but do you know what life is like for them? Mm-hmm. You know, Alvin Kamara, he went on this long mm-hmm. rant on Twitter about what it was like for him growing up in a household where his mom was an illegal immigrant, where he had an African name, you know, where he was dark, like significantly darker than some other black people and what that meant for him growing up. You know, he's handing the ball off to him and throwing it to him every game. And, you know, they're boys and all, but it's like beyond that, man, do you know what life is like for me? So my thing with Drew Brees, I respect him. I, uh, I think he's an incredible athlete. 
And I do think he's a good person, but I do think that the bubble that he lives in can relate to a lot of different white people who live in this country where they haven't had to reach beyond those measures. So, you know, I hope that his change is genuine. I don't know him personally, obviously, but I'm rooting for that. And I think that, you know, as a leader in the league, he can be someone that can be impactful um, for a lot of other people who are watching him. So, yeah. And I guess, uh, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. You got to go. My connection's not good anyway. Right now you should probably just take it. (laughs) You're good. I was just going to say, I think, you know, I guess one good thing that's come from the statements is at least starting the conversation, right? That people are saying that it's, you know, it's not about the flag. It's about the racial injustice and everything that's going on in our country that, you know, Drew Brees obviously missed the point. I don't know. It didn't look to me that his first couple apologies were genuine, but, um, you know, hopefully it's something that has changed for him. And if it hasn't changed for him, at least it's led to, you know, conversation for people that, you know, needed to hear that and hear that side of it. Right. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think the conversation, I mean, what I can say about this week is that, you know, Andrew and you guys have reached out to me and I so greatly appreciate that. So many people have reached out to me. Some have been more genuine than others, but the ones that I really appreciate are the ones that are conversations, you know, me and you talking about what it's like for me personally, what you can do, you know, what this movement is about, you know, what's really, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's bigger than just texting someone and saying, Hey man, I love you. You know, and honestly, I will say that for some people, that's a big step. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate that on some levels, but for me, my favorite ones are ones that go deeper and you can actually get into, you know, what the real problem is instead of, you know, I did my part, you know, I told him I love him. It's all good. You know? So I, uh, I think the conversation is very big, Ben. You're right. For sure. And I guess, you know, one final question I had personally, but, you know, just considering our podcast platform and outlet, I guess, what kind of things do you think we can do personally to kind of continue to facilitate the conversation and make sure, you know, this movement doesn't just die, like when you said the dust settles down, that we can continue to kind of use our platform the best way possible? Right. And, uh, you know, I think it's important even in these days right now where, you know, it's not last week where, you know, everything you saw was about the movement. Yeah. Um, to continue to give it its voice um, as best you can. And, you know, I know you guys are fans of Pardon My and everything that I do. And I think that uh, we would all agree that their audience probably isn't focused towards people who would want to hear everything that Arian Foster was having to say, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but they still took the step to bring them on. You guys, I don't know specifically what, you, like how diverse or what your audience may look like, but even if there's one person or two people who listen to this who don't understand, you know, you've taken the step to make sure that that voice is heard, you know, and that's a big thing. So I feel like being an ally isn't a moment's thing. If, you, if I'm loyal to you, I'm not loyal to you when it's hot and when it's cool and when, you know, the news is talking about it. I'm loyal to you no matter what. So being loyal to people, you know, Andrew, I, I would hope that you care about what's going on not just because we're friends, but because George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery were people, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. And I understand people making it personal. It's important. You know, like I get that feeling, you know, being like, Hey man, like what if that happened to so-and-so like for me, like let's say I shouldn't only care about, you know, women's rights because I have a mom or a sister or a <laughs> that's girlfriend. Good, yeah, that's a good I should example, care right. because, you know, they're people and they deserve, the same rights that I have, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think I understand people making it personal and I think that I get it, you know, and that can be 
a good thing if it motivates you, but it should go beyond that. It should mm -hmm. be about humanity. It's not just about people, you know? So um, that got a little off of what you asked me, but no, I think good. that what you guys are doing is great. I think that you guys are doing a great job of, you know, opening a conversation, bringing people on who maybe you wouldn't normally have someone on to talk about race issues, but you're taking that step and saying, you know what, this is what we need to do. So I appreciate that for one. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, of course. Recurring guest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's all I had, like, question-wise for, I mean, unless you have anything, you know, maybe you didn't think we hit on. Uh, I think you covered a lot of great stuff. Um, but if you have anything else in particular you'd like to touch on, you know. No, nah, man, I just want to say I appreciate you guys having me on and giving me this chance to to voice my, um, my words on what's going on. And uh, I just encourage everyone um, listening to this or to anyone who might come across this to just be an ally. I'm not just today or not just tomorrow, but, you know, for the rest of your life, you know, teach your kids to be an ally, um, teach your friends to be an ally, talk to your parents about the importance of being someone, you know? So I just, I encourage people to use their voice and find where their voice carries weight and uh, be leaders in their communities. All I can say. There you go, man. Well, Hey, seriously, thanks for coming on. This has been great. Uh, I think you summed it up pretty well right there, man. So we appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.